Hello everyone and welcome to the special summer edition of the ANF podcast. This is um, one of three specials actually um, where we focus in on Ireland and some of the differences and similarities between kinship care, fostering and adoption over the Irish Sea. Uh, many of you will know that I actually live in Ireland um, and it's always been of great interest to speak to people um, about the process and how things work over here um, and uh, of course to find out some of the similarities but, but also some of the differences. So in this episode we're talking to Katrina who is the founder and CEO of Kinship Care Ireland. Um, now I'm, I've met Katrina um, and uh, it was very interesting because um, we we hit it off straight away. So to, to actually discuss the the background to Kinship Care Ireland and how it happened, how it came about and how it works um, was really interesting. And um, her personal story and her personal kind of journey to becoming a kinship carer as well is one that really hits home and makes you think about, you know, what happens in life. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, we will be focusing and fostering on the next one. Um, with um, the uh, Five Rivers Foster Care in Ireland. They are part of the UK network, um, but they're independent in Ireland. Um, and then we'll be talking to Andrew from Bernardo's um, about adoption in a future one. So I hope you enjoy. Um, and as ever, if you would like to um, come on the podcast um, or share your story, then contact us um, by email, anfpodcast at gmail.com or by direct message. We're always happy to talk to anybody who wishes to share um, for the benefit of others. Um, in the meantime, enjoy and we'll talk soon. So um, today we are joined by Katrina from Kinship Care. And I'm I'm saying Katrina, she does have a surname, but I'm going to let Katrina say her surname <laughs> just in case I get it wrong, which I will get it wrong. Um, you will, I would get it even wrong. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. a thing. Even, even wronger. Um, but tonight we're at, or today we're joined by Katrina from Kinship Care Ireland as part of our um, Looking at Ireland series. So welcome, Katrina. Hello. Great to meet you guys. Thank you for coming on. It's really, yeah. I'm so pleased that you have come on and we've managed to do this at long last with COVID and you being so busy, me being busy, uh, all that sort of stuff. It's taken a while for us to do this, but I'm really chuffed because it kind of, it nicely fits in with the the Irish series that we've tried to bring together with fostering adoption and now kinship care so it's fabulous that you've joined us and we're really looking forward to getting into the depths of kinship but before we do would you like to give us a, a, a an introduction to yourself so that everybody knows who we're who we're talking to tonight sure i'm katrina and my surname is it's nick Vurish. it's an irish name i'm here in Galway in the west of Ireland, and I'm the founder of Kinship Care. I became a kinship care to my four nieces um, following the death of their parents over 11 years ago now, um, or coming up for 11 years ago. So, um, and it wasn't something that we had anticipated. Um, my sister had named us in her will, um, my husband Seamus and I. So, um, I suppose overnight, our family of two, we have a son and daughter, became a family of six. Um, when my sister Una died, who also happened to be my triplet sister. I'm one of triplets. Um, so we were very close and our children were very close in age. So becoming, uh, I suppose, a carer for four extra children was, for James and I, even despite our backgrounds, was quite a challenge. My background yeah. is in community development and family support. And my husband is a social worker in the disability sector. So it wasn't until... 
dust settled, we had to move house, we had to change our car for a minibus and all those changes and, you know, with bereavement and sudden death and the trauma of that, that we realised that we were part of this amazing family type uh, called Kinship Carers and there began our journey. So, um, I mean, that's, was, a, uh, that's a story in of itself and it kind of just, yeah, I mean, that's that's a whole that's a novel in there, isn't it? There's a whole book in there. And it just made me reflect on that. There's very, there's very few good reasons for kinship arrangements, is there? There's never a good, it's never a positive start. Well, it, well, kinship always occurs in a, in a, in, it always occurs, seems to occur in a crisis. Do you know that uh, yeah. relatives step up? Uh, we say step yeah. up, not step in, step in, but they step up to care for children because of lots of reasons. In our case, it was because of bereavement, but then subsequently we've met Cares because of it's because of you know whether it be parental substance misuse or um, mental health issues or imprisonment or abandonment. So it's it's mm. very, you know we we thought we were on our own and then when we found the term kinship care because it's quite prevalent in Northern Ireland to use the term your kiss and your kin. My husband's from Derry in the north of Ireland, so it was familiar to me to, to the term kin or kinship. But mm. um, realizing that there was a whole other community of carers out there. And um, mm. was it was, you know, it was reassuring because I said, oh, we're not on our own with this. There must be other families like us out there and other supports. And, and in Ireland, we don't really have, the, you know, we didn't have uh, an automatic go to of, of an organisation. So when we applied for what was called the orphans payment, it's now known as the guardians payment. Um, it didn't trigger any supports, you know, uh, it didn't signpost you to anywhere, didn't offer you any additional medical or counselling supports. Um, so, you know, that it was quite an invisible space to be sitting in for us. Mm. And um, I suppose once a couple of years had passed, realised, you know, actually we're on our own with this. There, there doesn't seem to be a scaffolding of support for carers and families. Um, and so when I started Googling and looking and realising that within the UK, you had Grandparents Plus at the time, now Kinship, and then Kinship Care in Northern Ireland had just started. And in Scotland, you had, you know, you had different forms of supports there. So, so yeah, I was like, gosh, you know, there isn't any supports here. So that kind of journey started of how do you advocate for families or even seek out a family like like, mm. like ourselves. Um, yeah. And uh, I realised that there had been some research done through U UCD in Dublin, University College Dublin. And I reached out to that researcher. And uh, so we, we ran a seminar um, on kinship. Uh, here in Galway, but it, you know, out of that then came the opportunity to participate in. Um, there was a there was a workshop the following day in social entrepreneurship, and I was like, oh, what's that? I sign up for that and see what that's about. And there was a woman there who get, who talked about her journey uh, setting up a, a support organisation for children with disabilities, and she sat next to me and she said, I told her my story, and she said, you should go, for, you should go for that. And there was a deadline a couple of days away, and we applied. So I saw that support that 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 being part of what was called an Ideas Academy. I think Scott, you've been on that as well with FSD. yeah. So that that journey with Social Entrepreneurs Ireland was really pivotal in in, in helping us to set up as an organisation. So we I did the academy and Social Entrepreneurs Academy in 2018. We were a social enterprise because. There was a problem. We had a solution, and we were using kind of business, you know, social uh, entrepreneurial skills to set it up. So, so yeah. So that that realised us 
that we could we could actually set up as an organization. And that was in 2018, 2019. We reached out to other stakeholders, other organizations, Bernardo's included, and, and other national organizations in Dublin. And um, so, so Kinship Care Ireland was established and is now hosted by a national organization called TROR. So TROR is the Irish word for navigation. So it's an information service for unmarried parents and families and modern families. They also include a teen parents program and now Kinship Care. So, um, yeah, so that's 2019. And then, you know, by engaging with the lived experience of, of other uh, kinship carers and also those with kinship care experience, um, we were able to work, work, you know, towards developing the organisation um, and we're lucky to have advocated for supports from the Child and Family Agency here in Ireland, which is Tusla. Um, and we, we received some funding towards a full-time worker. So we have, for the last three years, we've had a, two and a half years, we've had a full-time worker in Dublin. So it's been a journey, do you know, I mean, not only mm. trying to raise six young young people aged yeah. between 18 and 14. So we have six in six years. So um, so that they were at that time aged eight to 14. Um so it was. It's been a busy couple of years um, <laughs> setting up, and uh, you know, and then just learning. You know, forever grateful to you know to, to meeting the you know uh, Lucy Peake of Kinship uh, and also Cathy Ashley of Family Rights Group in London just before the pandemic, and and realizing that you know as an organisation or a fledgling organisation that we weren't on our own either. So, so. Um, so yeah, it's taking that in, you know that that invisible group of carers and families out of the shadows, as they say, yeah. and, and and shining a spotlight. I think I mm. think a lot of the kinship reports in the UK have used those terms, you know, shining a spotlight or out of the shadows. So we're kind of behind where the UK are at the minute in terms of raising awareness, but but I think um, because there's been such movement internationally as well around kinship care, um, that it's really partnering for the carers that we speak with that they the, the biggest thing they say is you know the support they get from each other in peer support groups um has been phenomenal uh and also we we ran a pilot uh scoping exercise with young people and they felt the same they said we never realized that there were others like us out there you know and and they've they, they've been able to share their experience with um through the uh, you know with the professional youth worker to talk about their journeys into kinship care because of bereavement or substance misuse or mental health issues or other issues. So, so yeah, so it's yep. been kind of, it's been a busy um, four years. I suppose. You're amazing. You almost interview yourself. You've, you're asking, <laughs> you're answering all my questions. I've got a question and then you oh, answer yeah. it. And I've got a question and then you answer it. You, like, like a psychic or something. By the way, I'm from Cork in, in the south of Ireland, and we do tend to, if you ever heard of Blarney Stone, <laughs> I, do tend, heard of I do tend to, to speak quite quickly and uh, you know, uh, oh, but no, you're uh, fine. You're absolutely so, yeah, fine. So, so I mean, it's good stuff. That's, that's been my journey so far. Do you know? Or it's been yeah. a journey of kinship care. So, so, mm. so I'm founder. I'm the volunteer, uh, and we have a wonderful time workers. So that's where we're at at the minute. Um, do you know? And 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 stepping into the space, I think there's nothing better than feeling that you're marginalised than to give you the confidence just to step into a space. So mm. I. You know, I take the trip from Galway to Dublin quite regularly to to advocate for carers, uh, kinship carers, um, you know, and uh, I think one of the best tips I got through social entrepreneurs was, you know, don't don't be asking, can we have a meeting or, you know, it would be lovely if we could meet, just say, when can we meet? 
So that mm. kind of idea that you that are, you know, you know, not to make excuses, just to say, when can we meet? This is really important. There are estimated about 10,000 children in kinship care in Ireland. Uh, so about 1% of the population of children yeah. are in kinship care. Mm. Um, that was that was my next question. You're getting you. you, yeah. you I was gonna because I was thinking in terms of in the UK, it, there's always been this question mark about how many children are in kinship, and it because it's not a there's no real accurate measure. Um, uh, but that is a lot of children because the population is approximately is that five million in Ireland? Yeah, yeah. So about twelve. Yeah, about one hundred and twenty thousand. No, let me see. Anyway, 1.2 children, whatever, whatever 1% that equates to 10,000 is our 12,000. So we we so know because yeah. we, so in Ireland, our, our foster care system is is such that we have about 20, just under 26% of, of uh, all children in care are in kinship foster care. So called uh, relative foster care here. Um, yeah. And then we know then that there are about 2,600 children in receipt of what's known as the guardian's payment, the orphan's payment. But there are a lot of families that are shut out of that payment because it's it's for those that are orphaned where both parents have died or where the parents are unable unable to care. Um, so where there is living parents because of substance misuse or because of mental health issues or imprisonment, it's the onus is on the on the carers to prove that there's been abandonment. So that's our biggest difficulty is that they term you know, an orphan is a child yeah. that's been abandoned. So, so a lot of grandparents have difficulty in proving that, that even though the parents are present, you know, prove, pr- proving that they're they're not able, they're unable to care, or that there's that's, an inadequate parent really care. That's really isn't it? So, how do you even go about sort of proving the inability of a parent or an adult to care for a child? Where do you, where is there a process for that, or is it just literally you have to? Fill in yeah, the it's a, it's a really really difficult thing because you know. You know, when when you step in, when you when when carers informally step in, you know, outside of the care system, um, they do it because there's a crisis. They can see it's the right thing to do. Um, but proving that has been, and the department have been the Department of Social Protection. So that payment comes from the Department of Social Protection. A foster care payment comes from the Child and Family Agency. So it's a different form of of payment, um, and it's very difficult for, for families. We have grandparents. You know, looking to get evidence, you know, either from 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 you know schools or you know if they have, if they get the child benefit in their own right, they can maybe use that. But you know, it's a huge difficulty for a lot of families that we support is that they can't they're shut out of this payment because the parents maybe are involved in the ch- in the child with the child's life nominally, um, but but that's seen as not abandonment. So it's it's a really tricky one, and um, <clears throat> we met with the. Department of Youth and Children, uh, Equality, Disability and Youth uh, last week. And that's one of the key areas that we're looking to address is to mm-hmm. see that this this definition of abandonment, you know, includes being unable to care, um, mm. which is for lots of different reasons. So it's not yeah. just financial, it's emotional. It's, you know, being present to the child and being appropriately present, you know, so ad- adequate yeah. parental care. So it's one of our bigger issues how do you support those carers grandparents mainly you know the bulk of bulk of the carers are over 60 in receipt of the of the payment so so yeah, yeah so it's it is a difficult one to prove um yeah. and I, so I, what we do is we support them through the phone line with advocacy and and looking for evidence uh from 
previous research to back up uh, and previous documents that have come out of the department that evidence that you know that they're actually contradicting themselves sometimes so yeah. so in the sense that they you know it's a payment to support the children um not you know that, that it's a payment for the child so yeah the child would, is the one that has the needs so yeah so. exactly yeah the, the whole i mean the whole kind of system of funding benefits if you, whatever you want to call them over here is quite tricky to traverse at the best of times so when it comes to this it must be very tricky but i wanted to ask you about so in my head i was always thinking that the irish as a nation would be very much looking after their own anyway so when you first started all this off and you you started to you know come into contact with people and find out more about the figures and stuff is 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 it the case that historically irish people have cared for their you know, for their 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 family members, if you like, as uh, you know, w- without being formalised in any ways, is that the case, or am I just thinking that that's a, yeah, that no, would it, that would have been a nice thing? It goes it goes back to what we're termed the Braham laws, which are which are pretty ancient laws going back millennia. You know, so where the families would have lived in in you know in in family groups, and and there would have mm. been a lot of sharing going on. So yeah, it's a very natural thing. Do you know we you know when somebody dies. Do you know that when the parents mm. died, that that, that that the orphans would be would be would be cared for by family members. I mean, even Michael D. Higgins, our president, was cared for by his aunt yeah. and uncle in County Clare uh, because of poverty. Um, do you know, so that you know there would be a tradition, but I suppose I would use the expression sometimes that do you know that the talk doesn't butter bread. That we can talk about caring and we can talk about about minding our own but it doesn't it doesn't support the care, the mm. children uh, and the young people in 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 their needs in in these ever increasing times of austerity and you know mm. so that that the idea that you know were it not for the family because there's now a care system um that you know with these children would if they weren't with family in a crisis they would be in the care system and our yeah. care system is currently in crisis because yep. there are not enough foster carers and there are not enough social workers yeah. so we're, we're experiencing what's known as a kind of a, a flux between the formal kinship foster care or relative foster care and the informal so the informal care so i'm an informal kinship carer i'm outside the care system i stepped in in a crisis but i'm also i also have the protection of being named in my sister's will so i'm a testamentary guardian yeah but many yeah. carers in this informal space do not have that protection. Mm-hmm. So what you have is people having to go, you know, you know, for medical appointments or for schooling. They may not have the guardianship. And to go to guardianship, you need some legal aid or legal supports and to go to court. And if there's a living parent that contests that, then you're talking, you know, in excess of 20,000 mm-hmm. euro or in, and above. Um, but we also have a situation because there's enough not enough foster carers, that social workers, when they're directed to a family that may need support, they'll find the grandparent or the relative and place the child with the relative and then they'll walk away. Yeah. And they won't, you know, they, there's there's very yeah. little signposting mm-hmm. and very little support. So, and oftentimes there isn't guardianship. So in the formal sector, the state is the is the is the corporate parent or Thusa's mm-hmm. corporate parent. But in these instances, social workers are placing. So it's a state, you know, you've state mandated, which is the, the formal and then state mediated where a social worker is diverting to in an, the informal sector. So it's a huge issue because, you know, it's it's something that we're 
really concerned about for those carers as well, because and also and most importantly for the young people, because there's already been an identified need. Somebody has made the referral to a social worker. There could be mm. other issues there in terms mm. of, you know, whether whether it be access issues, if the parents are if there's issues with the parents and there's no support then for the, for the relative with contact with the parent. There's no aftercare plan. So we, we don't have um, child arrangement orders or special guardianship in Ireland. Can I so ask? We, we, we don't have any of that here. So sorry, um, you're very good. You, you've got you're really. I mean, you're just you're answering all my questions. I keep. Yeah, I'm, I'm racing to keep up with you. And um, one of the questions I was asking in terms of the the needs of the children, and I think it's. I'm just wondering if there's a comparison of the UK is that we often have a, a cohort of children who've experienced difficult circumstances at the, at the best, um, and then in, in other instances, you know, trauma. Um, experience of domestic abuse, domestic living in domestic abuse situations, you know, and you know homes where there's been drugs misuse and com- you know chaotic home environments. Do you find that then you, with an older kind of a, an older cohort of parents, kinship carers, caring for children with complex needs, that you've kind of then got families, new families in crisis, which is I think something that we sometimes see in the UK is that we find kinship carers really struggling. Yeah, most most of the families that we're supporting find have, have have very complex needs in terms of the needs of the children. And then, you know, the child might come to a grandparent as a baby or, or, or as a toddler or as a young person. But as they reach adolescence and things become really, really complicated, you know, in, in the sense of the needs of those children. So. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, it's it, it, it without without that scaffolding and without the, those supports. And and it's something that we've, we've really looked at to see how best. To support those carers, whether it be with peer support and also with with um, you know just simple tips and advice, you know that it was yeah. if it was you know my nieces came to me as young young adolescents, you know, and and my own daughter was only ten and our son was uh, he was thirteen, so so I have a little library of parenting books, you know, and and yeah. and just with those little snippets of of advice to support carers, but but it it is an issue because because they're not seen. As as being a family in need, and their their access to certain things, you know, are not straightforward as they would be if the children were in foster care. Such as, you know, um, in Ireland we 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 have a, a two tier medical system, so we don't have the national health service. So yeah. we have, you know, families that might access a medical card, uh, which would be for very low income families, but it's not automatically available to children in kinship care uh, and my husband had to work so that was something you know if you're middle income you're kind of caught in the middle and then you know so things like that are access to trauma support services are access to other things like like I mentioned earlier was things like aftercare so you, you know children are going into off the edge in, in the sense if they don't stay in full-time education you know the payments that are there are not are not sustained are not sustained for them uh, as as coming out of kinship care. So, so yeah, so it it is it is a real concern um, for for the young people for you know for the children and the young people. Mm. Um, so it's something we're looking to address, you know, in in kinship care and to to offer that you know offer that support because um, I think there's nothing better than a cup of tea and a chat and somebody that really really hears you. Yeah. Um, but also that practical signposting to other. To other uh, support, I mean, we have what's called the National Family Resource Centre program in Ireland. We we have quite an extensive network of family resource centres, both rural and, and urban. 
And our, our aim is to kind of work through them, you know, by using it like a hope system so that within hubs within Ireland that you wouldn't be too far away from somebody that might have a bit of advice mm. or, or support, you know. But um, as, you, as you say, a cup of tea and a biscuit. I recently... It solves everything, doesn't it? It does solve anything. Um, if it's a hobnob, then life's, <laughs> life's good. Um, I recently did a, um, a trend to a like a peer support group and they have they get guest speakers and i was invited to go in and talk about the the challenge um challenging behavior which again is complicated and often born out of children's trauma and adversity complex and sort of complicated behavior and, and i came away profoundly moved by firstly the peer support that there was a, it was this if if you'd have walked someone in and said what is this group you'd have thought they were maybe you you wouldn't you wouldn't have been able to add see them as parents because they were all as you say all 60 plus those people in their 80s who were caring for seven-year-olds um with really complicated needs and i was just really moved by that that they were they were trying to retool their skills because they grew they raised their children 20 30 some of them 40 years ago Mm. and they were then having a kind of like go right the world has moved on we've got the internet we've got and and if just it was just sort of heartbreaking but also inspiring um, and so do you, and I'm sort of, I'm intrigued by you because I was thinking, you know, you got a phone call one day and now you're kind of, you're lobbying government. And that's quite a journey for you as an individual, isn't it? So do you find you kind of wake up some days and go, crikey, how did I get here? I'm trying to change the law. You know, that wasn't, that wasn't the plan. No, it definitely wasn't the plan. It definitely wasn't the plan. I don't know, maybe it's just, a, you know, I've always been involved in community and setting up groups and, I think my first group was a parent-toddler group for my own son in the village where I lived in Connemara. There was no parent-toddler group, so setting that up. Or then there was no scout group, so setting that up. And then, you know, but this is this is born out of a deep sense of injustice um, and a need mm. for, you know, a need for equity and a need for support for these families because, you know, it could be anybody. You know, it, if you know somebody with children or if you have nieces or nephews or cousins, you know, it can happen overnight to anybody. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yes, my sister was widowed, but her death was, you know, it was a car, sudden cardiac death and it was unanticipated. So that idea and her husband had been killed in a car crash when the children were very young. So that that notion, that vulnerability that's there um, is is huge. And that sense of of knowing with with support of organisations like Social Entrepreneurs or, or other agencies when I was funded by another organisation, uh, Rethink Ireland, that you know that you can find solutions. And I I say to our young people, I said, you know, guys, there's never there's never a problem. There's always a solution. So you just have to work that back. And if if there's a solution in this that can make even improve, you know, a, a certain number of people's lives, then then it's worth doing. But if you know, you dig deep and you find reserves, but uh, we're lucky mm. in the sense that the pathway has has been eased by being being hosted by a national organisation that has a track record, that has a very passionate uh, and compassionate um, CEO, um, Damien, who you know who who stepped up and said, "Listen, we can host you guys." And 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 so so when I when I was lobbying, you know, you know, senior managers in the Child and Family Agency, and they looked at me and said, "You know, because you know." You know, but where are you coming from? You know, I and I said, well, we're hosted by a national. Oh, so the funding then. Ah, so there's a service level agreement. So they have a track record. So that re really smooths the journey for us. 
because mm. without that, you know, I could be knocking, still knocking on doors saying, what about? So, so I think, I think there's strength in that kind of solidarity and that kind of working together with mm. other agencies that kind of get it, that kind of, you don't, you know, it turned out that the CEO's father had been in kinship care. So, uh, and the more we speak to people, we realize that lots of people would know of, of, of grandparents or aunts or neighbors or, yeah. you know, close friends that would have stepped up. Um mm in that situation so yeah yeah i, I wish it was easier i wish it was there already <laughs> but having to you know and uh but I, I i think i suppose in my own mind that somebody has to do it i think if you look at any charity or organization somebody has to step up um so in this instance it was me but i'm <laughs> I, i'm uh i'm very happy to have done this and uh yeah you know, um, really happy for the families that I know that are coming behind. I mean, I'm my my or, or you know, Seamus and I, my husband and I, you know, we're taking it a little bit easier now because our youngest niece is 19, our eldest niece is 26. So, you know, we're in a different space now. But um, mm. yeah, I think I think yeah yeah I think it's a very interesting question to ask by <laughs> me. But uh, yeah, and. With, I mean, I, what's what I'm thinking about as well is um, the fact, uh, and I don't know about other countries, but certainly I've experienced living in the UK, um, adopting in the UK, having to find my own support. Um, you know, doing some of the stuff that I do in the UK as a result of that kind of lack of of support and you know um, signposting, etc. And it strikes me that there's more than just the UK that has to do that. It's 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 almost an injustice that as parents and carers, we have to go out and do these things ourselves and set these things up ourselves and provide these things ourselves and, and you know, establish it all based on our own lived experience and that of our children as well. Do, do you, do you find that similar as well, Katrina? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think, I think that out of your own lived experience and that's why I suppose when we talk about these experts by experience, you know, we're very clear in Kinship Care Ireland that, you know that in time that the the organisation will be led with those that have the experience and the lived experience, mm. and and we have a steering group. Um, you know, and we're expanding the steering group now. Um, moving into new phase post pandemic to to include carers from our our peer support groups. You know, because they're building in their confidence, and mm. also the young people are building in their confidence. You know, my own niece, despite you know coming through quite a, a traumatic time, you know she doesn't. She she's very clear that she she would want others to have a positive experience and and not to face some of the discrimination that she's faced in terms yeah. of entitlements or access to support. So, you know, mm. I think I think it's really important. And it's, it's come comes up a lot in the care experience community around, you know, hearing us and, and nothing about us without us. So um, uh, but at the same time, I think it's really good to have somebody uh, somebody professional engaged to do the work and to do the day to day. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think the experiences, you know, my my experiences is is is, is because of bereavement. We've had others mm. because of, you know, um, domestic homicide is a huge issue, and and we were we were able to input into the domestic homicide review and familicide review, and that was they come up with very clear recommendations to the Department of Justice around, you know, minding the families that step into care following a domestic homicide. So that's so so there's lots of complexities with kinship care, but I think we're we're learning as we go in Ireland, but there's a lot, a long way to go. There's a lot to do. 
yeah. there's a lot to do. But we're we're part of a global network uh, with Family for Every Child. So they Family for Every Child have focused it's an organization, international organization, and they've focused on kinship care over the last two years. So they're in the autumn. They're bringing out a global guidance on kinship care, um, and it's been inputted from. South America to Africa to India to Europe, a uh, huge input, and it's a really comprehensive document um, on the complexities of kinship care, but also pathways for for governments or for policymakers around how best to support the children and to acknowledge, you know, the value that kinship care provides yeah. uh, for children that don't have that. Uh, uh, they don't have parental care, adequate parental care, but yeah. yeah, in Ireland we're still kind of knocking on the door because um, <laughs> you know, we, we're we're uh, we're trying, you know, in, in the informal kinship carers are sitting in a different space to the formal kinship carers. So, yeah, yeah. You know, so it, although the UN would see it as uh, formal, informal is, is is alternative care. So so because of our our care. Our children in care crisis at the minute you know there's a huge focus on on those issues but um yeah. but we're, we're really we're really grateful to the un because they recommended that the irish government develop a policy on informal kinship care so so it's good it's good to have have allegiances and alliances with yeah others. definitely yeah and it sounds to me like that's quite well not maybe well yeah probably long overdue but much needed around the world you know for those that um actually will recognize that as as guidance because you know that's that's quite quite different to fostering and adoption where you know this has been been happening for years but actually you know it's it's just not been recognized as as something that actually happens and the the complexities of it it's not just mm. oh you know looking after a child it's looking after somebody else's child who has been through an experience um as well as acknowledging your own experience yeah. of that as well with your grief and your loss and you know all the all the as, and the family as well you know um the, the wider family you know two children as an example in your case two children who then have to have another four children living with them you know <laughs> wow wow yeah well, oh. well, thankfully, thankfully they they get on very well with their cousins so yeah. uh, you know so it's a very you know they were mm. very used to that but there yeah. are many families where you know where where there you know it's it, like you say it's an overnight scenario there's no opportunity mm. yeah. to prep. it's different to fostering it's different to adoption because you mm. you know you have have some time to think about that but um yeah. but, absolutely you know it's it's uh yeah it's it's a very complex area but but we're, we're very happy to 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 be able to to learn from others and and to find a way of, of supporting families because yeah. you know it's we do it out of love. We do it exactly. out of, yeah. you know, care and 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 there's a real fear some in some instances around children that that go into the care system and the children are my my nieces would ask me if we didn't come to you, Katrina, where would we be? You know, in the early days, and I said, well, you yeah. could be split up. You could be with strangers. You could be at other ends of the country. Mm. You'd have had to change schools. So, so in our situation, the children were, were lucky that they were kept in the same school, the same mm. the same neighborhood. But yeah. you know, it, it is it is a challenge for many families that that the overnight you know change of circumstances can can be very traumatic for the children and for the carers as well. You know, so it's um, but yeah, we're 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 hopeful that 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 it's now. I, I mean, you asked me about setting up kinship care Ireland, and you know, we didn't set it up alone. Alone, there was a steering group, and there were others involved, and and a really powerful 
Roisin, she was a member of our steering group. She's kinship care experienced and a real advocate. Um, but you know that we weren't on our own. But but mm. you know, setting it up, you you know, you, you all I wanted was for it to be on the agenda. But then that and that's happened. So that that that's a huge achievement. Um, but uh, yeah, there's still a lot a lot to be done. A lot to be done. Yeah. To be done. You know. So. Well, listen, Katrina. I want to thank you first of all for coming on, and the, the story is just wow. Um, but to thank you really for sharing yeah. everything and for the work that you do, because I mean, let's be honest, it's much needed, and you know, kinship care has been so you know just pushed away for years. And I'm talking about not just in Ireland and the UK as well, and you know, for for yourself and the likes of Lucy Peak to you know be to and, and who came before Lucy Peak, obviously, because she's not the only person that started up um, Grandparents Plus. But um, you know, just just the fact that you've taken the bit between the teeth and and driven on with it is just absolutely fantastic. And yeah. you know, really congratulations on getting as far as you have. It's been amazing. And, um, and also to mention Kinship Carers yeah. UK because they're another organisation and Kinship Carers Liverpool because I would have engaged I would have gone to Liverpool to meet to meet Pauline and them in, in Liverpool they're they're another fabulous so they're you know they're mm. working in in Liverpool and throughout Worcester and and that you know the the other there's so many different organisations yeah. I think in, in in and other peer support groups that have stepped up in Scotland and, and Northern mm. Ireland you know so absolutely I think I think we're 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 a small bunch, you know, but we can we can actually, you know, make huge differences. And uh, I think you know, that's what what Kinship Cares UK would have said to me. You know, that uh, I was speaking to Donna there, and she was saying, you know, just just go into the space and talk talk to people and ask, you know, do you know, you know, do you know about Kinship Care? Do you know about Kinship Care? And I think that's part and part of where we're in Ireland that we've got, you know, by meeting with with some of the groups in England and and that mm. and Northern Ireland, it's really it's really, you know, it's kind of a a tribe that it's kind of really has strength yeah. in, in its uh, ability to to muster people to keep going you know so yeah absolutely well thank you again and um i i may see you again this year i don't know we met last year didn't we at the social entrepreneurs island um we did yeah and and is it I'm, I'm thinking it's an annual thing showcase uh, yeah yeah showcase yeah. yeah so um and and just to really before we go um social entrepreneurs island i mean um fasd island um has been involved in um three of their um I don't know what you call them. What are they called? Programs. Yes, three of their programs. Um, And um, they're a fantastic organization because what they do is they um, seek out people who have, like you said, a a problem that needs to be solved. It's a social problem. So, you know, they they really back things like Kinship, things like um, FASD Ireland. Um, I'm just trying to think of some of the other organizations. So speech and language therapy is very hard to access in Ireland. They've they've really supported some people who've had some solutions around that. So it's about solution. Um and every year, well, most year they have a, a showcase in, in Dublin and we were lucky enough to get invited last year. And that's where I met you the first mm-hmm. time. And it was lovely because we just shared maybe a glass of wine. I don't know. Um and it was and it was lovely. But um yeah um so I'm going to give a shout out for Social Entrepreneurs Ireland because they are amazing and they're great for organizations like yours like mine who really do struggle to kind of find their feet and you know um they help they help with lots of advice not just the financial side but at the after side as well you know when you're you're looking for um, a PR media company they've got one on hand who will help you for you know um for for free so yeah they're, they're, they're great so 
anyway, enough of that. Thank you, Katrina, for coming on. <laughs> really appreciate it. And um, fascinating story. And um, yeah, oh, who knows? We, we might have you back on again when, when something Excellent. big happens in kinship in, in, in Ireland. So thank you yeah. so much for coming on. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having me.